0: The Lord, Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis, and here on a beautiful Friday morning in Queen City, Texas, we're studying the book of Galatians. Rather, we should call it the letter to the Galatians and to the entire body of Christ, because it is the Word of God. It is to us, and we're excited to be studying it. We've been studying the book of Galatians since November the 3rd or the 4th, whatever that Friday was, we began there. So we're just now getting close to the end of chapter 2. And uh, we have just seen many things in the Word that we've not seen before. And I hope uh, that we would find ourselves in subjection, following the living of the Spirit, uh, according to the truth that he's, he's, he's teaching us. And I believe this, that we hear the Word, we, we, we see the Word, we hear the Word, we see what the Lord is saying to us, but we don't learn until, even though you may call that a part of learning, really the learning comes in the application process. The OJT, the on-the-job training, when you accept the truth and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work it into your life instead of just watching other folks and going through the motions. Amen? Uh, well, don't forget tonight and tomorrow will be a great weekend for us here at Crossway Church. If you're anywhere near Queen City or Atlanta, Texas, uh, we're having Joseph uh, Larson and Grace Brumley. Tonight at seven o'clock here at Crossway Church. The address is right there, 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 757275572. If you can't get here and you want to tune in and watch it online, the address. The Is right there, thecrosswaychurch.com. They'll be here tonight at 7, in the morning at 10, and tomorrow night at 6. So I encourage you to be here and to be here early, or you might be standing. And if you can't be here, watch online. You'll be blessed either way. But it will be better if you are here, I guarantee it. And I'm looking forward to having those great guys. I've been with them the last couple days there in Baton Rouge Louisiana Family Worship Center just enjoyed ourselves greatly there as we did chapel Wednesday morning and preached uh, in Family Worship Center Wednesday night and just had a great time in fellowship with with the people there, the Bible students and Andrew uh, got to tour the the towers and and set in a couple of classes Wednesday morning so he's more encouraged now than ever before and we're excited for him. And, uh, you know, might find myself visiting there more often in the days ahead. Praise God. My son will be there. Hallelujah. And uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, Well, let's uh, start this morning by asking the Lord to give us this daily bread that we need desperately. I hope you know you need the Word of God desperately. And uh, I pray that you would have a stronger and more urgent desire to know the Lord, and that comes through knowing His Word, what He said. That's how we know the Lord, is through Him telling us of Himself, how we follow Him, who He is, what He will do, what He won't do, how He does what He does. And we need to know these things, and it's all written in the Word of God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, this day for allowing us to be here in this place again to study Your Word. Lord, that you've given us that we might live by faith in victory, that we might know your leading, experience the direction you would lead us and the victory that you always give us. Lord, the provision that you always bring when our hearts are in faith in the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to see, to hear, to understand more clearly today than ever before, Lord, what you were saying when you wrote this letter to the churches of Galatia and what you're saying to us today through this same letter. We'd ask for a greater revelation of your Son, Jesus, than we've ever had before. And it's in His name we ask and believe and say, Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, in Galatians chapter 2... Uh, what's happening here, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, is that uh, they were having just a, a, a celebration there in Antioch and enjoying the freedom Christ had given them, the Gentile Christians, the Jewish Christians, <coughs> gathered up there enjoying, eating, and fellowshipping, and worshiping, and, and probably preaching and teaching, and, and this is a church that had a great move of God. Miracles had taken place, we read in this letter to the Galatians, and 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 the Spirit of God was moving, and there was a great freedom and fellowship, and, and, and what happens in this story, we won't go too far back, but uh, Peter, who is a great leader because of his history with Jesus and the way the Lord had used him at Pentecost and many other times, but here Peter is in this place called Antioch with these folks, and they're having a great time in the Lord, but Peter is a leader, and, he, and we're all leaders to some degree, somebody's following all of us. And uh, and so we need to remember that. And so they're in this room and they're enjoying themselves. And all of a sudden, probably somebody sticks their head in the window of the door and said, "Hey, there's some brothers coming from Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Church, James's church." And Peter jumps up, dumps his plate of chicken legs on the Gentiles, said, "I got to get away from them. I got to get over." And the Bible says he did that because he feared them. He was moved by fear. Well, that listen. My friends, you can fear some people and it will pull you out of the grace that you've been living in and drag you back under the law because what he really feared was what they thought. Peter wasn't really 100% sure yet about what he believed, and even if he had had a moment of assurance, or several moments of assurance, and I speak from experience, we can be moved by fear if we don't guard our hearts, because of what other people think and other people say. It's going on all over the body of Christ right now. Many are hearing the message of cross. They're experiencing liberty and freedom, but their relatives, after a year or two and walking in the freedom, they're now experiencing coming out of all this one this garbage, and all this other false stuff that denies us our freedom in Christ and drags us back into bondage, they, they begin to listen and talk to these other people they used to know, and they get dragged right back under law while their mouths are, are saying some of the right things, but they fear what the people think, and that's what happened to Peter. In the twinkling of an eye, he was moved by fear and left grace and went back under law in the moment. And you have to admit that because Paul stands up in a moment when this happens. He didn't wait, and he, and, and he didn't pull Peter aside privately. And the reason he didn't pull him aside privately is because what happened didn't happen privately. It happened in the open. If someone stood up in our church Sunday morning and gave some false word in tongues, and false interpretation, I would have to stand up and say, that's not correct. We had things that happen publicly are dealt with publicly, and uh, most of the time, and and that's what happened here. Peter uh, Paul stands up and he begins to preach, and we won't backtrack all over this. But Paul begins to, if you'll notice, Paul doesn't talk about sanctification; he talks about justification. Watch it, this if you want to. Look at this, in verse 15, he says, "...we who are Jews by nature, not sinners as the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith." What was still under attack was justification. Still justification because the Jewish, these men, whoever they were... And you can read back in Acts chapter 15 where these some of these folks that were in Jerusalem were still telling the Gentile believers that you're not saved unless you're circumcised and you follow the law of Moses. That's in Acts 15.1 if you're taking notes, but that's what they told them. You're not saved unless you're circumcised and follow the law of Moses. So Paul stands up here, and he is really, this whole excerpt here is to Peter. He's preaching to Peter. Now, these other people are getting to hear this message because Peter led them astray. And we either are leading people astray or we're leading people in the right path. If our faith is in the cross of Christ and we're standing and determined not to be moved by other people, we've known our families, our friends, coworkers, classmates, whoever, we won't be moved from that, then others, even though it is a hard place, a, a, a trying place, we are affecting positively, whether it appears that way or not, people who are watching us. They're not all going to follow us, but some will. And we're here, really, to be followed as we follow Christ. We are here to represent Him and folks be able to follow Him as they follow us following Him. And so Paul had to stand up here and preach to Peter a little message about, listen, we're not justified by law. And what he's really doing here, he's telling Peter what you're doing with the law now. But then he's going to start in this lesson today, we're going to cover what? him he himself Paul I Paul am doing with the law you've made a mistake what you're doing with the law now let me tell you what I'm doing with the law let me tell you what the law did for me it killed me <laughs> it sent Jesus to the to the cross for me Jesus had to die because we couldn't keep the law and so That's exactly what's happening in this story. He's telling, he's rebuking Peter in love. The Holy Spirit is through Paul rebuking Peter and the others there. And he's reminding Peter, look, this is what you're doing with the law, and this is not right. This is what's to be done with the law. And we can start in verse 19 and try to move on today if you guys won't hold me up too long. For I, through the law, and that's the way we need to read that. For I, through the law... Because see what was happening? You through the law think you're justified still, but I, and it is important how you read the word of God. You can't just skim it and keep going. These things there are certain places in the word, just like in verse 19, which the I should be in a t- it should be huge, bigger than any letter, because that's where it stands out here. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I died because of the law. I couldn't keep it. Christ had to die because I couldn't keep it. He kept it for me. He died in my place. And that's where Paul is leading them to. Paul, the Holy Spirit will always lead you back to Calvary. And I said this Wednesday night, I say it all the time, we must see the Scriptures through the liberty Christ afforded us at Calvary. Because if it's not the law, the Word of God, the law of liberty, then it will be the law of bondage to our hearts. The Word of God can tie you and bind you and keep you paralyzed and under law. Or it can liberate you if you see it through the... The Word of God cannot give you liberty without the cross. We were liberated through the blood. Therefore, we must see the word, the law of liberty through what Christ did to liberate us. That's exactly what Paul was doing here. Peter let go of that for a moment. Not, not kicking Peter in the dirt, bragging on Peter, not for doing this, but for always getting up and going on. We, too many Christians are making mistakes, and, and, and pride comes in. Well, I, I, you know what, I, they, they just must think I'm horrible. It's not about what they think. It's about me getting up because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and no matter how many times I fall because He is working in my life now, unlike when I was lost, I can get up now. I can get up now Peter could get up and listen to Paul, and Peter could get up and repent. Peter could move on, and he did, because later he would write that, you know, the, thing, the epistles that Paul wrote, some are hard to understand, and, and some are twisting them, and that's what Peter said, as they do the other scriptures, he, he pretty much made it known that Paul has written epistles, they are scripture. And some are twisting them, as they do the other Scriptures, and the way he ended it was, to their own destruction. Peter was acknowledging, if you twist what Paul wrote, it's going to be to your own destruction. That lets us know right there that Peter repented. He accepted the rebuke. Amen. That's called studying the Word. That's called rightly dividing the Word. If Peter wrote that, Peter admitted that. That means he accepted the rebuke that came from the Holy Spirit through Paul. So we see here, for I, through the law, am dead. Because the law is what killed me. The law is what killed me. That I might live unto God. And then he goes into verse 20, and he begins to explain... And let's keep our thought here to Peter. He's not moved on from Peter. Too many times we read this whole chapter, and we just kind of move on. This whole chapter is in one little setting here, and it's about Peter's fall from grace under law. And think about that statement. If you fall from grace to go under law, then that means law is under grace. It's under. It's under. What I mean that by that it's it's below. It it doesn't compare to grace. Grace saves, law doesn't. Grace teaches, law doesn't. The only thing law teaches is that God's holy, you're not. You need a redeemer and he already came. That's the only thing law teaches. God's holy, you're not. You're a sinner. You can't do anything about it. But God sent his son. That's the only thing the law, the Bible says the law speaks to those who are under it. Amen. That means it don't speak to me no more. Grace speaks to me. The Spirit of grace speaks to me. The law don't speak to me. The law spoke to me. Curtis, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. You need a Savior. His name's is Jesus. And that's what Galatians chapter 3 says that the law does. It kept us bound, and it pointed to, to the one that would come and save us. We could be justified through Christ. It was only a schoolmaster, a tutor. The law can only speak to those under it. But when you're saved by grace, you move from under law. And listen, not just over to grace... Uh Uh-uh. If you have to fall from grace, then grace is on a higher plane than law, much higher. Amen. And the Bible calls it in this letter written to the Galatians, falling from grace back under law. A place where all you're going to do is be reminded you still can't do it. You still can't, even in the programs the churches make up, I don't care how good it is and what they're saying they're doing and celebrating and all they're doing, they're not even obeying fully all they're trying to make up. Because you can't follow rules all the time. But Jesus obeyed His Father all the time. Fully obeyed, even unto death. And it's His obedience... That becomes our obedience. Amen. So here in verse 20 he says, I am crucified with Christ. And a lot of people have this as a memory verse. That's good. But the best thing you can do is back up and memorize the whole chapter. Because the reason he is saying I'm crucified with Christ is because he's talking to Peter and those who'd fallen from grace, even Barnabas. Because what he's telling them, listen, I through the law am dead to the law. You, through the law, think you live by the law. You don't. But he's telling them, I'm dead to the law that I might live unto God. Okay, how's that happen? I'm going to tell you, I'm crucified with Christ. That's how I died to the law right there. That's how I died. When Christ died, I was crucified that I might be delivered from the, the, the verdict of the law, which is guilty. I'm no longer guilty. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I but Christ lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me now i want us to make note of a special scripture to me and i know it will be you too and you already know it i'm sure but galatians 5:18 to go along with what we're saying here today tells us something very important for those who see the Word of God as it is in truth, and that means through Christ in His sacrifice. Verse 18 of chapter 5 says, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, now, that is a profound, powerful, concrete, directional, and redirectional uh, truth that brings our focus back to where it should be. If we are living by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us, and we are, or we're not living, and listen, we're not being led of the Spirit. You cannot be led of the Spirit unless you're living by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. You're not being led of the Spirit if your faith is not in the cross. If it's in anything other, even you say, yes, my faith is in the cross, but your faith is really in these programs that you're involved in, and you're really working hard to please God, you're working hard to to get deliverance, you're working hard to to find uh, a a pleasing to God, you're under law. And the Spirit of God is not leading you to the the walk of Emmaus. He's not leading you to the government of twelve. And don't sit there today and say, well, we're to take the good and spit out the bones. Where is that Bible verse at? It ain't there. The Bible says we're to forsake anything that has an appearance of evil. And any, anything that has an appearance of evil is anything that would take our focus off of the sacrifice of Christ. The Holy Spirit only leads people under grace, never the law. I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments of Moses. I'm talking about the Ten Commandments your preacher put in your church. I used to be one of those preachers. Well, if you do these three things, God will deliver you. I don't care if they're biblical principles. God doesn't operate based on what we do. He operates based on the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. That's it. And I, the church is so paralyzed and desensitized and moved away from the truth of God's Word, they can hear preachers like me and they'll say, Well, no, not, it ain't that emphatic. It ain't that narrow. It's not that concrete and absolute. i got news for you. It's more absolute, concrete, and narrow than I'll ever be able to explain. Ever. And Jesus said that, and that's why he said, most will not come this way. Most are not going to come this narrow way. Most are going to say, well, I can believe this and do that. Ezekiel prophesied this, gave the straight word to God's people under the old covenant, said the same day that you go out and sacrifice your kids to other gods, in the same day you come into my temple to worship me. And God had a massive problem with that and would bring a judgment that they would not like according to that. That means they thought they could have faith in what their God was saying, but also in what these other gods were saying. And if it's not the God who's pointing you to the sacrifice for exclusive faith there alone, it's another another false spirit. We're being seduced. I speak from experience. Amen, Brother Curtis. I am crucified with Christ. He didn't say I was although we were 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. God saw us in Christ before the foundation of the world. But the plan had to unfold through the ages, and it unfolded, and one day Christ was crucified on the cross, and we were crucified that day with Him. But today, is we, we're here today, And we need to live and to do our part today, which is to represent Christ. And when he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He's talking about what's contrary to the law here. Don't forget that. Don't just think, oh, that's so sweet. I love that Bible verse. (laughs) No, he is preaching here. He is rebuking here with this Scripture. This ain't just some little memory verse. Yeah, I got that now. He is rebuking those who have fallen from grace with this. If you want to live, you've got to live by the faith of the Son of God that loved you and gave yourself for you. That means through what He did there at the cross. That faith. And let me say this today. Oh, and I pray that this would go out all over the world. Listen, the only avenue of the faith, and the grace God offers is through the cross. Jesus lived by faith. Jesus lived by grace. Hebrews 2.9 says that he tasted death for every man by the grace of God. What he did at the cross was by the grace of God. And Hebrews chapter 9 says he, through the eternal spirit, he was led of the spirit, gave his life as a spotless sacrifice. He was led of the Spirit because his faith was in his, what his Father had commanded him to come and do. He lived by faith. He lived by grace. And we need to hear this and we never need to forget this. You're living by that same faith and that same grace or you are not living. You are not saved. You are not being sanctified. If we've moved our faith from the sacrifice, we've moved our faith from the only thing, grace can flow into our lives. And grace is not just some river. Grace is not something. Grace is God at work in your life, which He's now allowed to do because the Spirit of God dwells in you and He set you apart, made you His holy child, and now He can work in you. But when you... Moved by fear, leave this because of what mama, husband, brother, sister, wife, daddy, mama, grandparents, best friend is saying to you, you leave this faith and grace because you fear their words, you fear their thoughts, you fear them, and it does happen all over the world. You go back under law, all in the name of just loving them and wanting to... Keep the peace. There is no peace to be kept under law. There is no peace to be experienced under law. There's only death and condemnation and separation from fellowship with God, as we'll see in this very letter. The the letter to the Galatians and to us is one of the most important in the Bible because it brings those who are hungry for truth, hungry for right direction outside of what man says, it brings them back into the place of true fellowship with God. Because it reminds us something that Timothy wrote in chapter 2, verse 24 through 26, that God perhaps will give you repentance only when you acknowledge the truth. At the acknowledging of the truth, which is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary, does the Holy Spirit grant you repentance to have that time of refreshing. Amen. I'm crucified with Christ. That's not just a sweet Bible verse. That is my declaration today. When he died for me, I died with him. That's my only avenue of being delivered from the law that brings nothing but condemnation and death. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And notice this. This is a choice. Christ does not just work in your life automatically. That's what the church believes that he does. Well, it doesn't really matter. And that's one of the errors of this uh, once-saved-always, say that's one of the most damning heresies that has moved into the body of Christ. And really, that, that damning heresy, you might as well just get rid of Galatians. You might as well rip it out of your Bible because it, Galatians talks about not that he'll ever leave you or forsake you. He says he won't do that. But Galatians teaches you can remove yourself from him. You can fall from grace. You can be out of fellowship with him. You can be in a place, Galatians 5, 1 through 4, where Christ can no longer affect you or profit you. And if you think that you, you, that, that it, he just automatically works in your life, no, my friend. That's what I meant by this letter to the Galatians is the very letter... that grabbed a hold of the heart of Martin Luther and caused the first reformation in the church. And it's the, it's the very letter that's grabbed a hold to the hearts, this in the book of Romans, that has us in our 21-year reformation we've been in right now. This book in the book of Romans has brought us back those who will repent and say, I don't care what they say anymore. I'm going to be like Peter. Yes, I got carried away, but glory to God, I'm coming back. Hallelujah. I don't care what they say. One of the very first words the Lord ever spoke to my heart right on my job in 1994 when I didn't even know much about the Lord speaking to hearts. And I was just a denominational young guy. And I didn't know and I didn't really even know what was going on. But the Lord spoke to my heart. He just laid this heavy in my heart. He said, don't listen to men, just trust my word. Well, I went on and I heard that, and, and you know what? You can hear that, and you can know it's from God, and you can think you're in it, and you can get hooked up in a church, and you can, and, but, and you know what? That man you're following can be twisting this word, and you think you're trusting the word, but it, let me say it again today, my friend. If you're not, your, your trust is not in the word of God, it's not helping you at all, unless it's the law that liberates you. And that cannot happen by reading, studying, quoting Scripture. It can't happen by sharing Scripture. It can only happen as your faith is in the sacrifice, the liberating sacrifice. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ made you free. And from the time we born again, the world and most of the church is trying to pull us like they did Peter, Barnabas, and anybody else they could grab a hold and drag back under their, their dying place of being under the law of doing for this and doing for that. Listen, we don't do for salvation. We don't do for sanctification. We believe for salvation. We believe for sanctification. The same thing every day, this daily cross, praise God. We need this, this kind of teaching. We need these scriptures broken down. We don't just need the Bible read to us. We need, and let me say this this morning, the Holy Spirit's not going to come and just give you a Bible verse. The Holy Spirit's going to come and talk about Jesus in that Bible verse. That's the one he said, Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to speak of me. Well, we've just left Jesus, plumb out of the scriptures, and turned it into money, and at the end of the service, we said, in the name of Jesus, that don't work. This Bible is your Jesus book. Every jot, every tittle, whether we're wise enough yet to grab a hold of it, doesn't change the truth that the the Word of God is truth, Jesus is the truth, and you can't separate them. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, and we live by faith, we live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God by faith, but we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us, you can't separate all that. All that is one big blessing. (laughs) One truth. I live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, that don't mean I can just read the Bible and live. No, there is no life, Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You cannot separate any of what I just said. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We live by faith. Listen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if faith brings victory and liberty and, and triumph and, and, and over the world, the devil, the flesh, and everything, and it comes by hearing the Word of God. But it must be tied to Calvary. You understand that? You don't just become a Christian and have the right to quote a verse and try to make it happen. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. The Holy Spirit imparts what's in the book to the believing heart as He can get it to your heart as truth. As truth, not just something to remember and say. And then you can walk in this truth. Amen. I know this is teaching that... I know it, it, I know it might be tough if you're listening to it for the first time. And I, I know about that because people used to try to talk this stuff to me, the truth of God's Word, and I'd say, Well, oh, I love God's Word, but I didn't even know the truth of God's Word. When you learn the truth of God's Word, what you thought you loved won't compare to what you know when you step into the truth of God's Word. It happened to Paul. Paul knew the Scriptures, but when he met Jesus, my Lord, the Scriptures that had separated him, the Scriptures that had him bound, somebody needs to hear that, the scriptures that he could quote and, and declare, but they had him bound under the law. When he met Jesus, the scriptures began to liberate him because his faith rested in the sacrifice of Christ. He said, I'm determined to know nothing else among you because everything I've got to say is coming from that foundation. You know, that's the way it is with God. He laid the foundation when we sinned in the garden. All he did was go in there preach from the message he'd already laid. And all through the ages, that's all God's done. Every word, I say it and I'm going to say it till I leave here. Every word God's ever spoken has been truth. That means it's tied to that foundation that He began before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God slain. Hallelujah. Really, when Paul here is talking about I am crucified with Christ, again, he's preaching to Peter and these folks who are living under law. Even if those that are refusing to come out of it or those who had come out of it have been deceived and seduced and trapped back under it again, he's talking to them. And when, when Paul wrote, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, I am crucified with Christ, he is identifying himself with the Lord and what God did to reconcile him, to give him life. And he's admitting it wasn't the law, it was the sacrifice. Identification. If you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and I love to because I tell you what, you can see a whole lot from the first family. God made known the end from the very beginning. You want to see where we are, look back to where we were. (laughs) You want to see where we're going, look back to see where God led His people. I'm telling you, it was about identification. It's always been about identification with God. God created us Formed us out of the dust of the ground, breathed into our nostrils. We became living souls. And you know what we were doing in Adam? We were representing God. We were identified with God. We were identified with Him as we were under His rule. We represented Him in all that we did in Adam. It was an de- identification thing with God. It's always been identification. I'm going to create a people. They're going to worship me. They're going to love me. I know they're going to fall. I know most won't, but I'm going to create them anyway because I love them. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a good, acceptable, and perfect will for them. And I'm going to be identified with them, them with me. And they're going to represent me, and I'm going to represent them. Hallelujah. That's a good news. Not only do we get to represent him, but he represents us. He goes before us. He makes a way. Hallelujah. And it's always been about an identification thing. And, and Adam was identified with God, God with Adam. That he was, he, Adam's in the Bible called the son of God. He's a son of God. He was the one who was identified with God, represented God, named the animals, kept the garden and all sorts of other things, walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. But when Adam sinned, him and his wife, they fell from that being identified with God place. Now they were no longer being a a representer of God. Now they had fallen from their identification with God. So God rushes in the garden, gives them the verbal promise of the seed of the woman coming to crush the head of the devil and the seed of the woman having his heel bruised. And that was all about the cross one day. And then God showed them, killing the animals, clothing them. God was giving them something that once again they could represent Him, but it was only through the promise of the sacrifice of His one day coming, seed of the woman, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He was restoring that identification. But from that time until this, our identification with God only comes through the sacrifice. We are only identified with God through faith in the sacrifice. Not a church building, not a denomination, not a preacher, not any program I've got going on. I'm identified with God as I am crucified with Christ. There I find life. And I didn't, I'm not talking about past tense, although it was, but today I am crucified with Christ is my declaration. I know what happened 2,000 years ago, but I also know Jesus said, you've got to take up a daily cross to follow me. And my cross is written right here. I'm crucified with Christ. My cross is not a divorce, a bankruptcy. My cross is my identification with Christ in his death for me. That's it. And that faith will allow me to live through a divorce, through a bankruptcy, through a doctor's bad diagnosis, through, I can, I can go through and overcome anything by the life of Christ in me, the life I'm now living, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, or I'm not living. There's no life outside of faith in Christ and His sacrificial work. No life. And most of the church, almost all of it, 99.9%, and I was one of them at one time, uh, just think that now that we're in, we can just do anything with the Word we want. No, we can't. The Word is the Word of the cross. It's the Word of the Son of God and what He would come to do. Oh, brother, that's not really right. You know, the Bible talks more about money than any other thing. No, your heart's about money. Those people that make those comments, their focus is money, even if they say, no, it's not, my focus is Jesus. No, they don't even know it's not. Amen. Do you think, Peter, for Peter to get up and do what he did, when you do what you do, you think it's the right thing at the moment, even if it's the wrong thing. And God don't go by what we feel. He don't go by the motive. He don't go by the intentions. He goes by the faith we're either trusting in of Christ or we're not. That's it. Speaks of identification, Paul writing, I'm crucified with Christ. And I might have already said some of these things, but I'm going to say them again. I don't want to miss anything I put in my notes. Being led of the Spirit is to always be led to and under grace. And we saw that in Galatians 5.18. Those that are led of the Spirit are not under law. The law is me thinking I gotta wear a bun on my head. I never get a haircut. If I'm a woman I never wear pants. I had a lady, I think last Sunday, uh wrote or here recently after church, she tuned in and saw all the ladies on the platform wearing pants, so she couldn't even stick around and watch the service. She just blurted out that was wrong, swaggerts don't even do that and and, and, and and all this kind of stuff. You know what? We just went on how to move a God in our pants right there. <laughs> We just, and you know what? She just stayed under her law. And we just went on and had a move of God right there in our pants. Hallelujah. <laughs> because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God, and those people, they you know, they claim, well, I'm second... Uh, what generation Pentecostal. I like what Brother Larson said. I'm not. I'm just right out of the sewer. Hallelujah. I just believe the liberty God's Word's given me that He ain't looking at my pants or my dress. He's looking at my heart. Hallelujah. He's looking at my heart. He don't even... He Listen, God only looks on the heart. Well, not really, brother. God sees that woman ought to put on more clothes and not be revealing all that. That's a hard issue. God ain't seeing the dress and all that stuff, although we have to, and we pray God fix her heart. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> it's a hard issue. Hey, Amen. Y'all holding me up right here now. The Spirit of God will never lead you under law. That means the act of doing something for salvation or sanctification won't happen. So all these hundreds of thousands, maybe several million probably, in our own nation who have these uh, 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 whatever denominations, rules, regulations that you're not saved unless you're baptized in water. They're not seeing the Word through the blood. And if you don't see the Word through the blood, it won't be about the work of Christ. It'll be about your works. And the worst thing we can say in that scenario is if that's what they're trusting in to be saved, they're yet to be saved. If they got saved and they've moved under that teaching, the least... Worst thing we can say is that they're bound under law. The Spirit of God's not leading them to say that, not leading them to believe that, because that's law. Law is what you do to be saved. You do to be saved. The Spirit of God never leads there. So if He's not leading there, there's not a place there to live by the faith of the Son of God. Because living, and I've said it already, but living by the faith of the Son of God is being led of the Spirit. There's no separation. Those are one and the same thing. And I explained it from Scripture. Jesus, through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself without spot to God that we might be purged from our evil works and serve the living God. He did that by the Spirit, led of the Spirit, not as the God-man operating as God, but as the Son of God, the, the Son of Man, being led of the Spirit, led of the Spirit, tasted grace, received grace, humbled himself, and through that avenue only it comes what he did. And it, this is this we are in a reformation. I can't say it enough. You're going to see more deliverance. You're going to see more of the church coming back to their first love. We're going to have meetings next weekend in Rusk, Texas, and there is a boatload of people coming, preachers and youth and different churches gathering up. And I just ask you to be praying about that because what we need to know is the truth. We need to know God's word is truth. The preachers need to know as much or more than anybody else because they're out there leading congregations that God's Word is truth must be ministered as it is in truth so the Holy Spirit can impart it as He is in truth and bring the victory that only He can bring. And it's going to be a great weekend. There's going to be, I'm telling you just right up front, there's going to be some resistance, but there's going to be some breaking. There's going to be some repentance. There's going to be some coming back to the cross, coming back to our first love, praise the Lord. Adam and Christ are the only two representative men that God has ever put on the earth, and all human beings have been born into the sinful Adam's family. And I explain this all the time because... For some reason, we don't have a hard time understanding the identification, the representation process as to why we're sinners born this way because we were in our daddy, Adam. But then, for some reason, it's hard for us to understand that same identification, representation process takes place through our faith in the last Adam who died for our sins. It's the same process. God put the first man here. All are identified with him as they're born into this life. That's why Jesus taught you must be born again, which only happens when we're crucified with Christ by faith, that faith. And then we step out of Adam's family, we die to that, and we are alive in Christ in in God's family. It's just identification. It's just representation, and I've said it for the last few years. You and I can only represent God to the degree that he represented us. I didn't say it right. You and I can only represent Christ to the degree that our faith is in what He did to represent us. How many of you know Christ as He lived a perfect life without flaw every day of His life was sinless, perfect, no sin, no thoughts, no sinful thoughts, no sinful words, no sinful deeds. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And there He only showed us the way that life should be lived. But we were not identified with him there because he was perfect and we were not. We are identified with him on the cross when he took all our sin upon him as the Lamb of God. There is where God saw you and me and the foundation he laid ephesians what is it ephesians 1 3 or 1 4 says that he chose us from the foundation of the world in him in him that means in what he did at, our faith in what he did at Calvary think about that that's special we're in christ that means in the family of God and 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 we need to know that without being born again which is a uh, by faith, trusting in what Christ did to represent us on the cross. We'll die in our sins and the, rest of the with the rest of the Adams family. Every man and woman who's ever lived still in Adams family, under the law, dead, buried, separated from God, even though they might have had the greatest and best-looking works on the planet and appeared to be the most devout at what they did believe, they went to hell and they will now always be there. But every man and woman who's confessed their sins, accepted what God did in Christ to forgive their sins, have been delivered from that family of death and accepted into Christ, the one who's given us life. And this is a a major portion of Scripture. This is very important, because just as Peter jumps up and goes back under law, it required Paul to make a stand and say, Hey, hey! This can't be. You're not doing with the law what has to be done. You've made a mistake. Peter had to accept that. Well, we accept that so we can continue. Because if we don't accept that, that's it. And I don't mean that's it. And as far as we're cut off and we go to hell, that's not the case. But we are cut off from fellowship. We're cut off from grace. We're cut off from the place God works. And, and I'm going to have to say this again because over the next few years, this is going to become prominent in the, in, among those who have eyes to see. That all these years we have touted out that He will never leave us, He'll never forsake us, and that's true. The Lord didn't leave Peter. The Lord didn't forsake Peter. The proof of that is when he was rebuked, he repented. If the Lord had left Peter, he'd have said, I ain't listening to you. He'd have rebuked Paul. I'm the one that walked on water, not you. I'm the one that preached at Pentecost. Did you see how many people got saved? He didn't. God don't leave us. He don't forsake us. But here's what hasn't been told that's written in this letter. You can remove yourself from Him. You don't hear this very much. You don't hear it in songs out there. You just hear it, Oh, He'll never leave me or forsake me. And then folks just go right on into their sin. And it's not really... Listen, let me, let me say this. and We don't have much time left, but... About 12 minutes. What does that mean, about 30? <laughs> sin, sin in our lives is not what separates us from grace... It's a faith being moved. Let me, let me say it a better way. Some sinful thing in my life is not what removes me from Christ. Somebody better say amen or we're we all doomed. It's when I jump up and I fear men who are teaching something different. I value their thoughts, their teaching. And that's what happened to Peter. He didn't just fear them because they had big muscles sticking out of her. He feared their doctrine because he'd been under it for so long. And we're all there sometimes. We've been under something so long. If we're, we, even if we think we're being careful, we'll trip right up under that when somebody comes and says, well, what about? And I'm not talking about the longer you're determined to know nothing else, the less and less opportunity, although it's always there. Oh, it's always there. You remember Elijah, you hear it all the time. Mighty move of God, just like Peter. Mighty move of God. Life with Jesus, many mighty moves of God. But here he is, fear of men and what they're teaching. Moved him from grace back to law. And it's happened to all of us. And we don't want it to happen. And as long as we're focused and fight the good fight of faith, and we can because we see the example of it in Paul. We see it in if Paul could stand, we can stand. But hang on, if Peter fell, we could fall. <laughs> so sometimes we act like Peter. But before you can ever act like Paul, you've got to have the rebuke. If you won't receive the rebuke, you can never stand in the place led by the Spirit that Paul stood. Here is Jesus' teaching coming out and made clear. You can't get that two before out of my eye, Jeff, till you get that four before out of yours. That's what's happening here. Paul could stand his ground, but only because he stood in grace that came through his faith in the cross. That's the only thing that lets us stand still, and be able to help others that have fallen from the place, the only place. You don't have another place to stand but grace. And when people fall from grace, and they think they're standing in something else, they're like Peter, because that's what he did. He moved his standing point from grace, and he began to stand, even though I don't know how long it lasted, hopefully not long, but he put his stance in law again. We've done it. We don't want to do it. But before we can be used of God in this particular Scripture as Paul was, we have to allow the rebuke to come. This is why Paul would get to the place that, look, I count everything in the past dung. I don't care what, I count it all dung. For what, did he say? For the for the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. What does that mean? That means for the sake of the knowledge of Christ that excels me, matures me, lets me stand When others are falling, I don't have to fall. And if I do, I can get up and continue to help others. Because I used to be a Marine, and had the training I had, I see the, the Christian life and experience a lot of times as a war zone. And we've all seen war movies, and they're out there, and they're being surrounded, and they're shooting, and they're being shot at, and their buddies are falling, and they're trying to help them. Listen, the best thing you can do is make sure you keep standing. That's the best thing you can do for your buddies. And Peter went back thinking he might help them or something. But the Bible says he went back because he feared them. And we need to be careful with that. Because there are things that can happen. You can have the most precious and powerful move of God today in your life. Come back to the way of the cross and be experiencing the work and the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And then one day... In one day, boom, there it is. If you don't think that's possible for you, my friend, and you're just Paul, I'm only Paul. <laughs> no, you're still in the flesh. And if you're not living, and if you don't just make sure you're fighting the good fight of faith to make sure that you are living by faith in the sacrifice, for that is the faith of the Son of God, then you have a greater chance to fall than most likely already are. Amen. We're either living by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us, which is faith in the work of Christ on the cross, or we are not living. It's a choice daily that we all must make. It doesn't just work automatically. If it did, we'd just be tip through the tulips of holiness. We'd never need rebuked. We'd never need chastened. Everything would just be rocking along. The world would be getting saved. There'd never be any quarrels among the Christians. We'd just be happy, healthy, and holy 110% of the time. But I got news for you. If you're honest, you know that's not the case. We're up and down. We're in and out. We're all over the place. You know, the Bible says Abraham never staggered at the promise. But boy, did he stagger. Oh, he staggered. He just never staggered at the promise. He kept wanting the promise, looking for the promise, expecting the promise. Now, his intentions, even though good at trying to help God bring the promise, we're still paying for a lot of that today. And and God doesn't need any help. And we need to just come to that conclusion. When we look at Calvary, that should be a a declaration from God, I don't need any help. I mean, Hebrews 1 and 3 tells us that. When he had by himself purged us from our sins when we try to help our salvation by doing, working for it, we even though we don't even realize we're doing it, in the subconscious of our minds, we have this thought, even though it's not up here and we don't see this, it's back here, it's there, that God owes me. He don't owe me anything. When it's under the law, it's a matter of God owing me when I keep the law, in which I can't do it anyway. I boast on the day that I do not tell a lie. I didn't tell a lie today. <laughs> Your faith wasn't in the cross all day. You lied all day. No, you didn't tell them it was red when it was blue. You didn't tell that kind of lie. But we, if our faith is not in the cross, we're living a lie. Because we're under law. And the law strengthens sin. In the eyes of God. Don't care what it does for your eyesight. The law make, puffs us up and makes us think that we're living according to the law. That's what the people from James Church did. Uh, uh-uh. Y'all can't just go with Christ and that's it. If you do, that'll move you plumb away from the law. And if you're not living according to the law, you're not even a people of God. That was the fight they had on their hands. That was the struggle. They were saying, if you just follow Christ, you're out. You can't even be saved because Paul is teaching that you become dead to the law. We can't let go of the law. That's what they were teaching. And Peter was so ingrained with that, even though mighty move after mighty move of God being so ingrained with what we have been ingrained with in the past, don't think that all the the, the little strings have been snipped. Oh, we remind, we're reminded, let me just, I don't know about y'all, probably not y'all. I'm reminded of myself all, many times, quite often, that I still got some dangling strings back there that need to be cut. And the Lord will show up and he'll cut a string, and it, with me it's not always a different string. That same string he cut will grow back. Look at that, I thought God cut that off. <laughs> he cut as much as you let him cut off. You keep fighting this good fight of faith. You take this word of God, this letter to the Galatian church is the letter to you. That's how the first reformation took place. Martin Luther said, "This is God speaking to me. I'm not justified by what they're telling me. I, I'm justified by faith alone. I'm saved by faith alone." We're in this second reformation. Those who are struggling still with the justification part can't even step into this reformation we're having now as a as a church, as a whole, all over the world. Which is not only were we justified by the blood of Jesus, but we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus. And and nothing else. There's a mighty move of God taking a place in the land. It's not with the Todd Bentleys and <clears throat> who are charging people to to come and learn how to raise folk from the dead and just pay your money at the door. And we'll teach you. All oh, that is the devil, man. What we're the the Reformation, the move of God's Spirit that's taking place is a move that's bringing His people back to where the Scriptures are the authority in their lives and that they all point to the one who said, "I am the Living Word." I'm the bread from heaven, I'm the light, hallelujah. Praise be to God. Thank the Lord that we're learning. We don't know everything. We're not better than anybody, but we are moving along now. We're moving along like Peter and Paul did and in the little short vapor of a life that we have. We're learning the truth because only as we receive God's Word is as it is in truth, can our faith be legitimate and the Holy Spirit found working in our lives? Let's turn over there. I'm not going to finish this chapter today. Y'all held me up too long. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. I want to close this little teaching session today with two minutes left. I want us to see this with our eyes. If you're watching online and you have your Bible, turned there, please. If you don't write it down, I want you to go look at it with your eyes. I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, it, it will become a major part of what God is doing in these last days. I guarantee you, I don't care who's not declaring it now, they will eventually, you just hang on and, and, and watch the Holy Spirit. For this cause also we thank God without stopping. Because when you received the Word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth the Word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. Now let me give you a good example of that before it's time to shut it down. Last week I was speaking on the phone with my good friend, Pastor Friend, uh, Colton Hill in Tennessee. And he just was talking. We were talking for over an hour there. And in talking, he said something that brought this Scripture alive in my heart. He said, you know what, brother? Out there on social media, you can put something out there, a Scripture, and then put notes under it, and people will rebuke you. But when you put, when you come back and reply on that, well, this is what brother so-and-so taught. They say, oh, I see that now. No, they still don't see it because they're only following men. They're not being led of, of the truth, the spirit of truth. They're being led of men. If you ain't getting it when I say it, you ain't getting it just because I say somebody else is teaching it. That's, that was powerful to me. You can put something you can put the truth on social media and and, 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 and 5000 people see it. There's no response. Somebody else puts it out there. Or or they rebuke you for saying that, but then when somebody they know posts on it, adds a comment to it saying, praise God, or you say, I learned this from brother so-and-so that they respect, then they say, okay, I got that. Now, no, they don't. No, they don't. They still don't have it. You don't get it because he said it. You get it because the Holy Ghost said it. Amen. I'm done. I'm out of time. Too bad. Join us right here next week as we will move into the last verse of chapter 2 of Galatians where I guarantee the Lord will bless our hearts. I love you. I'll see you next week.